Thank you for listening to this talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. Welcome, everybody. Lovely to see you here today for another one of our lunchtime talks in this exhibition. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Julie Robinson and I'm the senior curator for this exhibition, working with other curators on staff, Maria Zagala, Tansy Curtin, and a number of volunteer researchers, Kate Jordan-Moore, Meg Apsey, and Heather Pearce. So I want to um, acknowledge all of their efforts in helping to get this exhibition together too. But firstly, I would like to acknowledge that we are meeting on the traditional lands of the Ghana people and pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Today, I'd like to uh, focus primarily on Andy Warhol's black and white photographs or the gelatin silver photographs, and we see some examples in this room. And, but first of all, I'd like to just give you because some of you may not have been to any of the other talks, uh, just a brief introduction to the exhibition. So really, the exhibition looks at Andy Warhol's engagement with photography right throughout his career. And he's, of course, known as one of the great artists in American art of the 20th century, and indeed in international art of the 20th century known primarily as a pop artist. You know, we've got the Marilyn Monroes, we've got the Campbell Soup Cans. We've got his wonderful portrait paintings and we have some in the room here. But photography was something that really underpinned his whole artistic practice. And after he died, um, so very little of it was seen during his lifetime, but after he died in his estate, they found some 60,000 photographs. And that has led us to, or me, to think about his photography and to become more interested and research it. And in the course of doing that, so this institution, the gallery, has acquired 45 photographs by Andy Warhol for the collection. And they form the core of this exhibition. And I would say that we have the largest holdings of photographs by Warhol in Australia, and this is the first exhibition of photography, his photography in Australia. So there's a few firsts in here. And I guess the whole way through the exhibition, you start through photography. It's such a powerful medium that you start to get new insights into who Andy Warhol was as an artist and a person. And the way that occurs, you know, his engagement with photography is in three ways throughout the exhibition. So as you wander through and you're near the end now, you see, firstly, where he uses photography as part of his working method to create a finished screen print. For example, and you see that with Elvis and the Marilyn Monroe works. And then you see photography where he's working in a collaborative way with other photographers or those in his photographic circle. And you see there's probably about another 20 photographers in this exhibition who were walk working alongside Warhol at different times in his career. They were taking photographs of him and his activities. Um, and at the same time then, he became a photographer and 
the large part of the exhibition is his own photographs taken as an end in their own right. Really, you know, photography's there for him the whole, the whole way through his career. And the interesting thing is how it changes depending on what camera he uses. And right in the first room, the 1960s room, you see that originally he did buy a camera, a SLR camera, to take photographs himself. And after a couple of weeks, he decided it was a little bit too tricky with all the, the, the settings and the f-stops and exposures and so on. So he gave that camera to someone else. But his own photographs during the 1960s turned out to be the photo booth photographs. So where he used the, the photo, photo booth, and we have a vintage one in the um, Gallery 25 that you can use yourself, that was his camera in a way. And he would take his sitters down to the photo booth and he had a big bag of coins and he'd just keep feeding them in and asking them to pose for him. So that was, you know, it's a pretty big camera really. Um, and he did that for a while and then of course he got into movies and so he had a, a film camera, etc. But then he, the next time he picked up the still camera was with the colour Polaroid camera in the late 1960s. And he did that for quite a while, he was quite obsessive in taking Polaroid photographs everywhere, in social situations. But really, I guess the legacy of those Polaroid photographs lies mainly in their use for, uh, as, as study works for the, his finished works. So if you see the Ladies and Gentlemen series or the Mick Jagger series that we have on display, even Liza Minnelli and, and Debbie Harry, you see that those Polaroids um, were, and here, in this room here with Lottie Smorgan and Henry Gillespie, the little Polaroids, he made, you know, dozens of them at any one portrait sitting and then he selected one as the work to uh, be the basis of the finished screen print. I mean, he was taking Polaroids, as I said, of his everyday life, but they didn't seem to... But there's not so many of those in existence now. It was mainly that he found that camera excellent for his portraiture work and his studio practice. So then in 1976, when he was travelling in Switzerland and visiting his art dealer in Switzerland, he found that one of the, the people he met there, Thomas Amman, had pulled out a little uh, camera, instamatic, practically instamatic camera, uh, and took a photo of Andy Warhol. And he, Warhol immediately said, where did you get that camera? I, I, I need to have one of those cameras. It was so small and it was so compact, it could fit in his pocket. And so they sort of, he was there with his... Um, editor of Interview magazine, Bob Colicello. They scoured the shops in um, Switzerland. They couldn't find one. But when they got to Germany, they bought two cameras, one for Andy Warhol and one for Bob Colicello. And from that point onwards, you know, he had a new phase in his photography where he was using... What he called it like a spy camera because compared to the size of the Polaroid, this was such a compact little camera, a little James Bond camera that um, he took it everywhere with him and started to photograph in earnest um, candid photographs of his friends. Often they were celebrity friends and just every social situation you can imagine. 
So this was in 1976, and this continued right until his death in 1987. So we have now this large oeuvre of black and white photographs. Because he chose to use black and white films, that was probably the popular uh, film for photography so that he could get black and white prints in that period. So they would look like works of art in their own right, and that was the intention, works of art in their own right. In doing that, he, he worked closely with some of the young ph photographers. So in 1969, he was a, a founder of Interview magazine, and there's some examples of that in Gallery 23. And that was a magazine that um, covered films, celebrities, and you know, pop culture in New York at that time. There was a lot of photography in that magazine. Sometimes it was his own photography, but often it was the other photographers that he commissioned were commissioned to take photos. And one of them was Christopher Marcos, who was a young photographer and became this constant sort of photographic companion for Warhol from 1976 until his death. Christopher had photographic skills. He could help him in learning to use this new camera he facilitated the printing, so he arranged for the film to be developed at a lab, he arranged for contact sheets to be printed, and then together they would look at these contact sheets and select which photos would get printed. Again, Christopher printed most of those photos. So this became his new practice. But it's an analogue camera and it, there was a lot of trial and error for Andy Warhol there as he, you know, learnt you know, you're taking photos, you don't know what you get until they come out and in, uh, until they're developed. So in that room where you have that big contact sheet blown up on the wall, that's the contact sheet for uh, a photograph of Bianca Jagger. And that's from 1976. So that's from the very year that he started this new method of photography. And when you look at that closely, you see that there's a lot of mistakes and, you know, poor photos on that sheet. And if anyone can remember doing uh, analogue photography, it was always a mystery until you got the film developed whether you had any good shots or not, or, oh, you know, that one was blurry, or, oh, that one mucked up. But, um, so the same for Andy Warhol, but, you know, nonetheless, he did get a great photo of Bianca Jagger from that contact sheet. So this was his method, and then... He was taking all of these photographs and these 10 by 8, he was getting them printed as 10 by 8 photographs. So there's some examples here of some of his 10 by 8 photographs. 10 by 8 inches, okay? That's a standard sort of size. And he was getting them printed. You can see here the rough edge around the photograph. This one and the one in the top corner, this one and this one. Different from these ones here that have the image all the way to the edge and it's just there's no blurriness around the edge of the photos but at the start he was thinking about he wanted them to be printed in this rough way candid photos printed in this rough sort of way and he asked Christopher Marcos to do that because that's how Christopher would print his own photographs and what we see is that happened up until 1982, and in 1982, he changed his method of approach and wanted to have these ones full bleed prints. And I'll explain a little bit more about that in a moment. But what happened too was he was taking all of these photographs, 
and not showing them to anyone until he decided he would make a photographic book and publish that. So he was already in the publishing field, publishing interview magazines. So it wasn't too much of a stretch to then publish this book, Andy Warhol's Exposures. So in this book, and it was art directed by Christopher Marcos, and we have some examples on display in showcases, he combined some of his photographs with text about the famous people that he was socialising with. He included chapters on some of his favourite people, like Bianca Jagger, Diana Vreeland, you name it. And then right at the start too, uh, right at the beginning, he also managed to put lots of small photographs of people in, all named, and the idea was put as, get as many celebrities in this book as possible and many pe as many people as possible and they'll all want to buy the book. So, <laughs> so it was really... But it was, what it was was announcing that he is now a photographer because these are all his photographs. The text was written in collaboration with Bob Colicello, who was the manager of Interview Magazine. Yeah, there's a lot there. And the introductory page of that book is says social disease, and we've used that term in one of the room texts too. So essentially, in this amusing page there, he, he writes how he's got social disease, he has to go out every night or else he'll start spreading rumours to his dogs, and therefore, and he goes out multiple times a night, and that's how he's managed to photograph all these people. And uh, he will go to the opening of anything, even a toilet seat. That's what that one's there for. <laughs> So there was sort of this humorous element. Um, we can pass that round too if people want to have a little look as we're, we're talking to this book. I'm not sure how many copies sold, but it seemed to be, you know, fairly successful. And following on from that, Andy Warhol's gallerist in Switzerland, Bruno Bischofberger, was, you know, really impressed with this photography and said to um, Andy Warhol, I'd like to publish, have you thought about publishing some of your photographs in a portfolio? Because he was very familiar with publishing his screen prints as portfolios and selling them. You know, this is a way to make your photographs available for everyone. And that was a great idea, so they agreed on that. And the first portfolio, or in fact the only two portfolios of published photographs were created as a result of this book with Bruno Bischofberger and Andy Warhol. Christopher Marcos did the printing. And what is amazing is both portfolios are in this exhibition. So we have firstly a portfolio of 12 photographs and they include the, the works of Bianca Jagger, the Pope, Truman Capote and so on. You see those in uh, the middle gallery. And then, following on from that, they published a portfolio of 40 photographs where you see Muhammad Ali, um, Dustin Hoffman, many other stars of the day. So they were published... These ones were published in large format, so they're bigger than the 10 by 8s and they were editioned. So these are the only photographs that were editioned, and they were the only photographs that really... Uh, apart from when we get to the stitched photographs, the only photographs that were of these gelatin silvers that were exhibited in his lifetime. I can't find any evidence of them ever being exhibited in the United States, but what uh, Bruno Bischofberger did in 1980 was organise an exhibition 
of these images in Cologne and Amsterdam. And interestingly, at that time, because I think in 1980, people weren't really ready for Warhol's photography. They were used to his screen prints and they weren't used to even photography. How did it fit into fine art? So when they were shown in Amsterdam and Cologne in 1980, they actually showed, preferred to show the 10 by 8 images, which was interesting. Um, later in 1980, there was one exhibit in London of the large photographs, just 12 of them. And these were the only times these photographs were exhibited in Warhol's lifetime. And it wasn't until 1992 that the two portfolios in their large format form were shown in 11 venues in Germany. All of this background is to let you know that this is then the next time that they've been exhibited together. So they've not been shown together in the United States. We've got them here in Australia and you can see that full extent of his published photographic output. So that's, that's quite special for us and we're very grateful to Bruno Bischofberger who has lent us the portfolio of 40 and we own the portfolio of 12. What's also very special for us is that we have some of the contact sheets on display from that portfolio, uh, for the images in that portfolio. And the contact sheets are really interesting because they've not been seen before and they show you the lead up to taking those photos and what he was thinking about. So if I refer to the Bianca Jagger one again, it's because, you know, you see that, you see the lead up to that main photograph and then you see that afterwards they head off to an Elton John concert. So they were all sort of getting together, meeting up at their friend Halston's house, sort of socialising, mucking around, getting ready to go out and that's when that photograph was taken. There's another interesting photograph in there that's Andy Warhol holding a gun to his face. It's just sort of in front of his face. It's quite mysterious and I always couldn't understand what was going on in that image. And when you look at the contact sheet for that, it's, it's fascinating because he was at his summer holiday house at Montauk and Mick Jagger was there and another woman was there. I think it might have been Catherine Guinness. And... You know, you see on that contact sheet Mick Jagger walking back from the sea. Then you see some interior shots and it looks like it must be Mick Jagger's gun that they were passing around and having a look at and then Warhol holds it in front of his face and someone else takes the photo for him on his camera. And suddenly, you know, there's another whole backstory to that image. One of the other photos we have, we don't have the contact sheet here, but I've seen the contact sheet, is in another portfolio, his dog dressed as the Pope. You've probably seen that one. And I thought, well, that's going to be an interesting contact sheet. What will that reveal? And it was literally 36 frames of his dog in various poses dressed as the Pope. Still none the wiser, really. So this was, this was what he was doing to sell his photographs and to promote himself as a photographer. At the same time, he was making, you know, hundreds of photographs of not celebrity images, but everyday images, street images. And you see quite a few examples of that in here, uh, on the back wall, uh, that wall, uh, that corner over there, or even some of the images here. So this, the celebrity images were a small part of what he was doing, but he was also doing everyday images and just looking for... I don't know, it's the way he looked at the world. He'd see a sign that interested him, 
and it might be the, the visual part of the sign or it might be the text of the sign. Or, or here he sees a shadow on a sidewalk and he thinks that's interesting and he photographs that. So these are a lesser known aspect of his practice, mainly because, you know, they exist as a single work. And so it's, and they're spread throughout the world now. But what starts to happen is in 1982, and he's got all of these photographs and what does he do with them, but in 1982 he starts thinking about what would become his stitched photographs. And he called them, uh, you know, he got some inspiration from Christopher Marcos, because Christopher said, well, you know, you're known for your multiples, why don't you do multiple images of the same work, same image, multiple copies of the same image, and then stitch them together with a sewing machine. And Christopher had, his mother had been a, a sewer, and as a child, he had sewn pieces of paper together. So he sort of offered that up as an idea to Andy Warhol. And so over the next five years, Warhol was quietly working away behind the scenes in making, uh, getting people to help him and make these stitched photographs. And you see a wonderful wall of them here. So what he did is he printed the photographs up bigger and then literally they're laid on top of each other and you can see, still see the cotton from the stitching hanging down, that's part of it. They often look quite buckled too because they haven't got a mat to keep them flat. They're just sitting there as they are. And they're sort of, they're not the average celebrity photos, although there are some that are celebrities. So this one in the middle here is Steven Spielberg. Um, down on the low, lower left is Steve Rebell and Dick Cavett. And Steve Rebell was the owner of Studio 54, where they did a lot of their socialising, and they're caught in an interesting moment. But then there's other works that are like here, the Empire State Building, or some columns, people on the street, you know, landscapes, and so on. And he was just interested in the, the way the image changes when you repeat it, and it becomes more decorative, and a pattern, and abstract qualities come to the fore. These images over here on this wall were also made into stitched photographs. So I can only show you them in their small format here, but they became, in, they're in other collections, made into stitched photographs because these are all unique too. So there's only one of this photograph. There's only one of this one. In January 1987, he finally decided to show these, ex these photographs and exhibited them in New York at the Robert Miller Gallery. And this became actually the last exhibition that he had in his life because he died in February 1987. And this really launched, or, or said to the world, here I am as a photographer and this is what I'm doing. I've finally worked out what to do with my photographs. You know, not that everybody knew. I mean, everybody knew that he walked around with a camera and he was taking photos all the time, but they didn't really take it seriously. But this is now here, take them seriously. They're big, they're on the wall, they're stitched, there's something new, we've made them into multiples. And this was probably the direction that many of the images that he had um, accumulated would have been made into. 
and would have continued perhaps on into the future, but that wasn't to be because sadly, as I said, he died in February 1987. But you can see sort of why in 19, when I said that in 1982, the way he printed his photographs changed and he went for the straight edges, you can see that perhaps at that time it was because it was linking into, thinking about them in terms of how he was going to be stitching them. And we know that he started thinking about that in 1982 because in his diary, I've, we've got this great quote here where he said, I had Bridget, that's Bridget Berlin, his friend, stitching away on the new sewing machine I bought because I want to sew my photographs together. But then it turned out that the best sewer is my bodyguard, the ex-marine Agosto, because he worked in a sweatshop, a sweatshop in Hawaii before he went into the Marines. So... <laughs> He, this is in April 1982. He's just starting out on this idea. He's experimenting with who's better at sewing. And eventually he found um, Michelle Loud um, did a, a, a lot of the sewing for him. But he was testing things out, testing ideas. And it wasn't until 1987 that it came to fruition. I guess that gives you a little bit of an insight into his black and white photographs. They really are a significant part of his career. I mean, the ones that are published in the portfolio and in the book are about celebrities, and he, he used to promote that by saying, my idea of a good picture is one of a famous person doing something unfamous. And that worked at that time, and that was 1979-1980. But this, these works that we see in here go on after that, and their street photography and their interesting things that he sees non-famous people, but always in social, some sort of social situation. And so, you know, that's, that's another whole aspect, really, to his photographic practice. But together with that and everything else you see in the exhibition, you get a real new insight into who he was as an artist, as I said, and as a person. I might finish at that point. Okay, thank you, everyone. Enjoy the rest of the exhibition.